I love movies. I feel like there should be some kind of disclaimer about today's episode. Gosh, I love movies. And here we go. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to the Grindhouse Podcast. We're here every Monday, and today we have a special guest with us, a man that is known by many monikers, The Truth, The Belt Collector, Maybe even the greatest man that ever lived from the 7th Street Sanctuary, Mr. Austin Aries. You left a few out there, too, that we probably can't say on air. I'm not sure. What what, what are we rated here? Oh, we're, we're, we're triple X. Okay. We can, well, go, we can go deep. God, well, we don't need to go that. We don't, we're not going to reveal those names. I mean, those were in private. But this is assholes, Grindhouse after dark. Yeah. Grindhouse in and of itself <laughs> sounds like something that's a little X, triple X rated, guys. But that's yeah, right. thanks thanks for having me. Thanks for Thanks for being here today. I'm going to try to help out. I don't really watch movies, so this should be interesting. Perfect. You're fit and right I might in. have to bounce at some point. I'm getting ready for the old uh, Vegas Veg Fest today, and i got to get myself showered at some point. So. That's awesome. All right. Well, we'll enjoy the time that you're yeah. here. And then, of course, my co-host coming from beautiful Austin, Texas, Matt. Hello, hello. Glad to be here again. A lot of excitement around the Grindhouse these days. and uh... I can feel it, Matt. It's very exciting. <laughs> it's just an ex. Radiating excitement from yeah. out there. And is Matt with the WWE? Did he just get cut down to one name now? Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Prince. It's that's like it. A, like yeah. just, and it's Matt. Just Matt. Matt. That's it's right. It's just Matt. Yeah. yeah. That's how I'm so, My one name and my, my just showering of excitement that I bring on these <laughs> Saturday mornings after those rough Friday nights. Many people might not know Matt has a moniker as well. I want to I hear don't. It. That's not He's, true. He is known as the Crazy Hands. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Crazy Hands. Yeah, yeah one Crazy per- Hands Matt. One person calls me, and he's also on this show right now. Only one person calls me that. Well, now it's two. I think, cra- listen, there's a lot worse things you can be called than Crazy Hands. That's yeah. right. It sounds uh, kind of cool. I knew an old student of mine, we called him Sugarfoot. Sugarfoot. <laughs> Sugarfoot. He hated it. I was like, dude, this is the best gimmick ever. Just learn to do a little couple of dance steps in the wrestling ring and you're you're gonna make a bunch of money. But he he hated it. He wanted to be like a serious wrestler. I was like, bro, I would have been Sugarfoot, man. Oh yeah, like, it's perfect. Yeah. It has like kind of a honky tonk sound too. It feels kind me. of southern, you know. You can't I can't be beat because my feet are too sweet. <laughs> you know, if you ever decide to change your gimmick midway through your career, I think Bro, I got a, I got a list of about thirty things that if I'm gonna change my gimmick to that I wanna change them to. Well, for anyone who might not know, Austin Aries is a multiple-time world champion, professional wrestler, artist, public speaker, public author. What is it that you don't do? Private author, too. Private author too. Oh. But, uh, we don't let anybody read those. <laughs> those are the after-dark ones. <laughs> <laughs> is that yeah. like uh, where you just write letters to people? Like it's just little, yeah. little private writings. The other, the other people. It's like the other people in your head. Yeah, it's yeah, only yeah. for the other people in your head. So it just stays there. It's all about you, read it, you read it to yourself while you're writing it. and that's just, I think it's called a diary, isn't it? No, yes. well, yeah. Author of many personal secrets. That yes. That's only right. That's right. that's right. All behind the curtain. That's right. But uh, I'm sorry. I missed the question being a smartass. What was that? No, no. What I was going to say was... Um, it's it's during my life. I know that you're a big sports fan. And mm, you get appreciate yeah. a good tournament. Yeah, so I like tournaments. Tournaments are great. Yeah, so we, we thought we would, you know, sports fans always sort of have the, the market cornered on, on doing single elim- elimination tournaments. And we True. thought it might be kind of cool to do that with our audience. So for the last few weeks, we've been running a single elimination tournament to determine the greatest horror movie of all time. Is this an eight-person bracket? 16? Was a, How many, uh, like, yeah, uh, it was an eight-person bracket. Okay. So we are now... You had to whittle down all your listeners? Oh, actually, to no, just I take eight. that back. It was, uh, it was 16. Oh, okay, you did 16. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So now we are into the quarterfinals, and this week we had in the Dave bracket the uh, the Omen versus the Shining. Any guess to which way the audience voted? I'm gonna go with the Shining because it's just um, the more uh, more mainstream movie. Because I haven't heard of, what was the first one you said? Uh, the Omen. Yeah. Older movie. Matt, any thoughts? Definitely the Shining. That's Everybody correct. Shi- Shining yeah. advances, 58 votes to 32 votes. Um, and in the Matt bracket, we had Texas Chainsaw Massacre versus The Thing. Mm. You might be surprised on this one. Might be surprised on this one. Well, then you just gave it away. Then I'm going to go with the, with the, with the Thing. I'm, I'm st- telling me I'm, I'm now. I'm worried. Uh, how's did the Thing? Is the Thing okay? Well, <laughs> did it survive? Um, I don't know if you could say that it survived, but does it ever really die? Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Advanced with nearly double the votes, sixty-seven oh, to thirty-seven. Oh wow! You know, you know, we yeah. have a lot of Texan listeners. I think that makes good sense. Actually, it's a home, it's a home state pride thing. I think it's just, you know, that's right. We all know it's based on a true story. Really yeah, well, yeah, that's right. You guys are all from yeah, from, from the Texas. Uh, that's right. Well, and, and, and ironically, I believe 
uh, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is based on the life of Ed Gein, who mm. is from your neck of the woods. Yeah, Ed Gein. Right. Making Wisconsin proud along with Jeffrey Dahmer. That's right. That's, That's I used to, the... when I introduced myself in college, you know, it's usually your name and where you're from. You know, so mine was always, hi, I'm Dan. Oh, that's my, you know, my, that's my, my birth name. Uh, from Milwaukee, we eat people. Right. That was how I introduced well, myself. Was... A, a culture of, uh, of cheese and meat, it's a small leap to make <laughs> yeah. to, to <laughs> at that point. Who cares what, what kind of, what, what we're making the meat out of? You know, I have, a, I have at least some level of respect for that because at least you're consistent. We don't, consistent. we don't stop at just animals in Wisconsin. No, we'll eat anything. We'll eat anything, anything with meat. Mm, delicious. Throw a little barbecue <laughs> sauce on that. All right, so as always, make sure to check our social media to continue to vote. This week's challenge is in the Dave Brackett Hellraiser versus Bram Stoker's Dracula. Well done. Not, First try. Not going to mess up the name this time. <laughs> that, last week I kept calling it Bram Stroker's. Oh, of course you did. Yeah, it was, yeah. I thought it was Bam Stoker's or Bam Stroker's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was Bam Stroker's last week. Well, it's going to be it's going to be every time I reference it from now on. Oh, uh, that's a great. <laughs> it just sounds better. And then, <laughs> and then in the map bracket, we have American Werewolf in London versus Evil Dead 2013, still hanging on. Wow, that's I'm surprised to see it went this far. I mean, that, that was a controversial pick. People don't like those remakes, but uh, hey, it's one of the best remakes I've ever seen. So let's let's keep it rolling. Yeah, and listen, I'm going to call it. I, I think that it advances to the semifinals. All right, we'll see what happens. Mm. We talked a little bit about American Horror Story last week, and you got a chance to catch up, right? Have you seen the first two episodes or just the first one? The first two episodes, that's right. And what, was, what did you think? So, so, Austin, I don't know if you got a chance. I know you're busy traveling to see American Horror Story 1984, but essentially what they're doing is um, sort of a, a, a satirical take on the, the 80s slasher films that we grew up on, you know, the gotcha. Friday the 13th and the sleepaway camps and things of that mm-hmm. nature. I, I personally felt that it was kind of meh, that it was just sort of like a, too busy making fun of, of how silly that era of movies were and, and right. kind of missing the point on like why they were effective in the Reagan just say no era sure. America, right? Like it makes sense. Like in, in those kind of horror movies, if you, have, if you do drugs, if you drink, if you have sex, the boogeyman kills you. How appropriate that in America you have the right wing taking over and essentially pushing those same values, right? And the left wing too with the PNRC and Tipper Gore. So there's sort of a reason why those films, even if they might be schlocky to us now, were impactful and they made a difference. And so, uh, Matt, what was your take on American Horror Story? Um, Have you ever seen a show so bad that you don't believe it's real like you actually think like they must be they must be working some (laughs) angle here. It can't actually this be be this bad like. That's how um, I felt about the whole Trump like uh, campaign. Yeah, right. While I was watching it on Fox <laughs> no, News. Unfortunately, like, hey, this is a joke, right? Like, they're going to talk about this guy like he's really a candidate. Uh, unfortunately, like, that was shit, that was not a show. That was, actually, I happened. know. I'm still <laughs> waiting for him to go. Like, I'm waiting for Kusher <laughs> to just jump out somewhere. And go, ah, you've been punked, everyone. I was just, yeah. just kidding. It would, it would be the best thing. To <laughs> I think of like uh, Cabin in the Woods, how it had that corny setup, but then it was actually something much cooler. That's right. that's how bad American Horror Story is right now. That I think it must be a situation like that where there's three or four episodes in, we're going to find out that all of this uh, lazy writing and shitty acting is actually part of this really cool gimmick. Because I can't believe that they would just intentionally make that. It's that bad, man. Well, I I think I mean, we've talked about it many times when it comes to any sort of art creation, but especially something like that that's within the genres like horror, right? People know that people love horror, but I don't think very many filmmakers, a, a lot of filmmakers don't really understand why it is. Yeah. And sort of what I was alluding to earlier is that the best kind of horror movies, there's, Austin, you're an entertainer, right? You come out and you, you perform Sometimes. and people can, in many ways, see a live action superhero battle or a live action fight that's you know, hyper, hyper real and, and live vicariously through that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, with, I think with horror films or say something like a roller coaster, what you have is an ability to, to experience danger in a safe, contained environment. And it works best when the danger is relevant to the social anxieties of the time. Sure. That's why I actually thought American Horror Story Cult, which came out right, right after the Trump election, to your point, and dealt yeah. with like election, post-election well, mania. I think it's always been that way. If you look at the movies, it always follows the trends of what's going on in society. It has to because that's what, it, that's what people are responding to and what they they know oh yeah exactly you know you can't you can't you can't create fear out of something that people can't uh you know uh connect to exactly it's in wrestling right like so and just to put this in pro wrestling terms because that's what i know as far as entertainment some of the most effective things we do in the pro wrestling ring are things you do in the school ground 
because everyone's, you know, if I do some fancy technical pro wrestling move to you, you don't know what that feels like. Right. If I slap you in the face, you might know what, you know what that feels like. If I stomp on your foot, everyone's drop something on their foot. Yeah. They know what that feels like. Right. They can, they can connect to that. So I think what you what you always see is that the movies they, they try to strike on what right now resonates with with that, and it's usually the younger, you know, that generation of, of people because those are the people who go out and spend that money. That's right. That's right. And so I, I just to me. I feel like American Horror Story is, is is a shiny cover with no soul in it. It's not getting what worked then, and and, it, and at least so far, it hasn't made a connection to what's going on right now. Like they're missing the point of why it worked, and they're they're, they're kind of make, and I haven't watched it, so I'm just trying to you know correct me if I'm what you're saying is different, but they're missing the point of why it was effective at the time, and they're and they're almost kind of clowning on something which almost undermines their credibility in a way 100 percent. you know because it's like you guys aren't getting it you guys should actually be talking about why this worked and still and still kind of laughing about why it worked instead of just going that was stupid like look how stupid they were being yeah exactly well i and i try not to get too technical when i watch horror films you know just take them apart but like the main uh, monster in this one is this uh guy called mr jingles and he's Which a, sounds like a cat. He's like a 230-pound disabled man with, like, one bad leg. And he always has a set of keys on him. But, like, all of the kills that he makes are surprise stealth kills. It's right. like from behind, stab you in the back of the head. It's all, like, sneak attack. So, that's, so you see the guy walking around. So blatantly, and, what's that? A bl- like a blatant, like... Gap of logic. Absolutely, yeah. It's like you put it there. Like, you see him walking around. You can hear, and that's yeah. That's the thing too. That's part of the fear of him is you hear him coming, but then every kill he makes is somebody that he just from behind, right through the back of the head. I mean, one guy is um, he's he's peeping. There's a one of the victims is peeping on guys in the shower. He's like looking through a hole, you know, doing that whole thing, watching guys shower, and um, this like one inch wide railroad spike looking thing just comes through the back of his head and then goes through the shower wall and nobody nobody hears it you know this full-grown adult doesn't slam into the wall and you know <laughs> like and it's the sound of this giant spike puncturing through the wall it's just n- sure. ninja silent you know it's one thing if you're poking holes to like you know the, the the leaps in logic from some of the bad versions isn't that where we've gotten with most movies now i mean it's where we got with wrestling they want to cut out all like the, the the part that makes you think about why the stuff works. They want to just get to the, the sizzle and the flash, right? Like, and right. I think somewhere along the way, like putting all the thought into all that logic wasn't getting rewarded. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot and of it. And, said, and, uh, you know, like let's just give them the meat and potatoes. And I think you could look at, um, you know, if you want to if you want to make a point that is relevant to the sort of where we're at with society, I think that people are looking for instant gratification in a yeah. way that maybe has at a, at, a, at, a, at its peak. And what you get with what American Horror Story is doing currently is like you, you immediately get like the big hair, like the tropes, like the archetypes, all the things, all the satire, but you don't get any, you don't even get any deeper context than that. I mean, you know, it's hard to make a show about kids that are being punished for being less than puritanical when you can go on Instagram and just see asses as far as I can see, right? That, that, that world doesn't exist anymore. Young people are more highly sexual with less... Um, yeah, I... Consequences. You know, like a lot of us kids had to wait for the JC Penney's catalog to come in to look at the lingerie section. You know, to, to see a girl and you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, right. like seven or eight years old, like, oh man, like where's the lingerie oh, section? Yeah. This thing? Yeah. Look at the toys. Why am I not looking at the toys? So. Did you ever have a what's that? There's, there was like a, a, a racier version of lingerie. It came through Mel Mel Catalog. Oh yeah. I forget that was, what was yeah, that was there was like this stuff they couldn't put in JC Penney's. That yeah, was like the yeah, yeah. Was original like, a, like before Victoria's Secrets was, you know, the yeah. secret, before the secret was out with her. Yeah. It was. It was like the, the one that, you know, Naughty Mommy would look through when he was asking, you know. <laughs> what, what was this called? It was from J.C. Penney, but it was like a, for no, adults. No, no. I think, it, I think it was like Fredericks from Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. Listen, and they would send like a, a separate mailer and like, you know, it was just kind of like the more racier lingerie. Oh, stuff. Wow. And like when you see that one, it was like, oh yeah, like there's no yeah. no pantyhose and shit in that one. It's just no, straight. No, no. It's like, <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, that was the stuff you were banking on if you wanted to see some skin as a kid you, you oh, know yeah. that or, or the spice channel all flickering and seeing oh i think that was a boob oh no it was an oboe <laughs> yeah i mean but it's just it's a different time hey, Britt. and if you're going to i think you know i think to your point is if you're going to analyze this is if you're going to make fun of this put it in context to why it worked exactly and then and then almost spoof on why it worked as much as just the fact of what they were doing it's like twitter man so there's so like a twitter movie or whatever or twitter you know it's like that's a great way to put it you know it's just 
you know, Twitter's like the most, we've, we've now kind of coached, I think, a couple of generations, and, and, and we, we've all do it now. Like, we, we read something, and then there's not a lot of context put behind it, and we're kind of rewarded to just uh, re- react and respond. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, react and respond, react and respond. So putting all this time into the thought of crafting, like I do, so I don't really don't like Twitter, I have to really put my thought into crafting this to say exactly what I wanted to say, and then when they read it, they gloss over the whole context and they just see a buzzword and they go, right. oh my God. And so I think for this thing, it's like, oh, why put time in all, like filling all these holes of why the body didn't make noise when he got bludgeoned into the, you know, the peephole, which to be fair, like, I think that's a good thing. Be spying on a guy. I hope, you know, I mean, if I was the guy taking the shower, I'd be like, oh, I, I didn't hear anything. Fuck that guy. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe that was what it is. They all heard it like, ah, serves him right. That guy's been doing that for three fucking months now. I knew someone was going to finally get him. Yeah. But, why I spent all the time putting all that thought into filling all these gaps of logic and giving all this creative story and cut when most of our gener- the generation that's don't give a shit. Yeah. yeah. They, 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 you know, they don't. I mean, you know, they just don't. And this is what I experience in my genre. It's the same thing. For me as an artist who puts a lot of thought into the transition of the story and how we get to the story and all these things in the ring, you know, there's always, and it's a growing trend, they just want to see the theatrics. They just, and not even the theatrics. They want to see the the athletics, the spectacle, the, the, spe- spectre, the, spe- the yeah, the, the car crash. Yeah, you know, and yeah. and it's like you know, who wants to watch racing to see the strategic elements of the drafting to get on the inside of the angles of the thing? Just wake me up when someone crashes. Well, you can make an argument that <laughs> like uh, like in the world of sports, for example, like the highlight reel mm-hmm. has, has yeah. done the, the the total just game of the, the good service. Stuff. Yeah, it's almost like. Um, yeah, I was having a conversation with someone the other day about it's a great n- analogy. Not not listening to albums really mm-hmm. front to back anymore. No one releases albums anymore. They release three songs at a time because now they have a better chance of all getting over. Because when you release twelve at a time, inevitably six will get lost in the shuffle. I exactly. We 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 take in content different. The highlight reel is an interesting thought because you know that that run that that you know. Saquon Barkley or Ezekiel, you know, for you guys, Ezekiel Jackson, uh, breaks off for 60 yards. That makes the highlight reel. Mm-hmm. They don't show the five plays before that. They were setting it up with other plays that weren't as sexy, um, you know, that then busted that play open. Right. And so we don't want to see all that part. We don't want to see the, the part that got us to the big play. Just show me the good play, and that's the highlight reel. And I think, yeah, for movies now, maybe he's following a little bit of that trend. I, I think there's some. I think there's some real value to that. So it's a lot of shine and, and color to sort of draw people in and keep their attention, but don't don't hit them over the head with anything deeper because they'll just go flip to the next yeah. highlight. We're not putting offensive linemen on the cover of Madden. That's right. Yeah, I think you guys are right that you know if we watch these things and we go, that's ridiculous. That wouldn't work. You know, this that that kill was totally unbelievable. But I I found something on. Uh, you know those YouTube rabbit holes that that YouTube algorithm will just send you videos to watch, and I, I came across something this week that confirms everything you guys are saying. It was amateur to catch a predator videos. Oh, nice! <laughs> and there's a whole community of this going on, of people doing these. You remember those catch a predator with Chris Hansen? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Please sit down. What were you here oh, for? Hello. And so, uh, but these are like, you said cookies, these are like home video quality amateur guys and and they'll make these, uh, fake TikTok accounts with, uh, some female friend of theirs and then they'll book a hotel room. And when the guy shows up, they'll just bum rush him or one guy attacks the dudes with uh, paintball guns and then shouts at him and punches him in the leg a bunch. But the thing is, man, you watch like two or three of these things and they are all so obviously fake. Just right. ridiculous. I mean, it's like that's it's terrible. I mean, like, the, the, well, the great, first that was one a great idea. If you're gonna really get these guys, <laughs> oh, yeah, right? No. They always blur the guy out. Uh, they uh, they usually just like it's like catch and release. Like they just chase them off and go, "Don't do it again. Let that be a lesson to me, you." Let me see what's in your pockets. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, the, marijuana. The, you were gonna get her high. Give me that. The first one. Right. Well, the first one I watch is supposedly it's a 14 year old girl on TikTok, and she tells this guy, "I'm gonna get us a hotel room." Which how does a 14-year-old girl get a hotel room? Uh, right, so right. they're at this little first-floor motel. Window, curtains wide open, everything. The door opens up, and this guy just dives on her. Like, what was it? Uh, Goldberg had that spear move. Oh, yeah. 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 It's that. <laughs> he, like, does, <laughs> doesn't even bother to close the door. Just boom, right into her. On, onto the bed. <laughs> and he's, like, doing this, like, fake molesting, like, kind of squeezing her arms. And then, like, the two, the two guys that are the predator catchers, they run in the room, 
and they're they're put and rather than like react to them he he's like a uh like a dog that's like trying to get pizza you know like he just keeps grabbing (laughs) for her the whole time and they're like pulling him away and then they just like chase him out the door and they're like don't come back and it's so obviously fake well hold on the reason i bring this up is not because of the videos it's the comment sections where these are the most dumb looking fake ass shit you've ever seen and the comments are just all about how they're heroes you guys are doing god's work (laughs) you're so brave and that's what i'm saying those are the people that these movies are for and uh you know true right of course i do i do have a feeling that those two guys that saved in the the predator catchers we're also the people making all those comments below there. <laughs> yeah, I can't possible. imagine. Like they've got, fuck, you know, come on. Maybe, Who but knows? with like one million views, they would have a lot. God, they have damn. to make a lot of comments. So I don't know. Why not just catch I, real ones? Uh, I, I want to make sure you're watching. You're watching YouTube and not you porn. Yeah, this could just <laughs> be like a weird. That does sound You've been a bad. You guys, you've been bad. Now you gotta be. <laughs> yeah. We'll take it from here. What, tell us exactly <laughs> what happens after they catch the predator. Oh, um, they let him go. They they scold him and let him go. Yeah, they give they give him a spanking. Well, yeah, they they hang him up by a belt. At first, it was Next just time. like this kind of fake bum rushing, like oh, we got him, and then the guy runs away. But like as the series progressed, they actually started like rehashing like script like transcripts from Chris Hansen's show, like oh, word God. for word reenactments of Chris Hansen's bits, and people are still going. So brave. You guys are amazing. I can't believe you're so brave. <laughs> I was kind of hoping when you first started telling the story, you were going to say, yeah, so like these guys like have like their 13-year-old sister like, you know, talk to try to catch all these like, oh, yeah. like, like these <laughs> like, people like, like using their kids yeah. as like bait or whatever. To like try citizen to, like, of arrest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, Tommy, like, you know, you're doing this is for the community now. Like, send them that email. Yeah. <laughs> send them that message. To make sure they... I'll explain you what all that is later. Just right now. Just... <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no, everybody's everybody's above age in these situations, but but, um, right. but yeah, it's so it's just so obviously fake. But uh, mm-hmm. but people believe it, and that's why I bring it up because people think it's real well, and they just react to it like it's real. And well, on the screen, the, the, the screen is the biggest. Uh, people do you know they believe anything that's on there, man. A lot yeah. of times. It's well, crazy. that's true. And look, I mean, I'll, I'll give it this credit. They've made they've made people believe it was real. They did their job. So I guess if that was the goal, successful on their part. Yeah. But when I do when I do that. Yeah, yeah. When Austin, when Austin does that, he gets in trouble. Yeah, I'm a, I'm the rudest of society and a real real piece of shit. Right. When I make him believe it's real, the, the Daniel Day Lewis of profession. <laughs> <laughs> like, yo, you all know it's fake, but yet somehow when I do it, that's when it's real. Maybe maybe that's just a compliment of how good. You I know are. it's supposed to be, but you know, like at a certain point, you're like, God, you really like people that dance, like. Okay, there's character, and then there's my character, like as a human, and then there's my character as a wrestler, and you guys continually. Could get you these imagine? Stuff. Uh, we, this is an aside. Can you imagine if, if like, uh, you know, TV and movie actors were treated like like their characters were real in the same way that professional wrestlers are? Yeah. Well, the thing is, is like there is there's some validity to that because I, you know, it it behooves me as a performer, at least it did historically, maybe not anymore, to make them believe I am the person I'm on screen. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, as a, as a kid, if, if you know, I don't know uh, how much you watch wrestling growing up, but you've, you've said a few things, so maybe you have some interest, but like Ric Flair, oh, yeah. the, na- the nature boy Ric Flair. Okay, I grew up watching him on my TV. If I would have ran into Ric Flair at a Kmart in right. some sweatpants and a ball cap, it would have probably been really hard for me to continue to buy into the nature boy Ric Flair. Yeah. But Ric Flair became, there was a part that, that, that was Ric Flair, you know, like, so I think no other actor or actress is expected to, when you meet them, be who they see on screen. You don't walk up uh, and, and think, you know, I, you know, I use Hugh Jackman, you know, think he's a Wolverine or, you right. know, uh, and, and if you Bad, did, you know, if you, you, know, you don't think like, these are the characters, yeah. even though how popular the show is, right. how long it's on, well, you don't go like, oh my God, Rachel from Friends, you know, it's someone who played Rachel in me, it's like I'm supposed to. I assume a bit of this character. It's weird. It's a, it's a strange genre. Well, it's funny because in like traditional like TV actors or movie actors, if you thought that Hugh Jackman was the Wolverine, everyone would think you're nuts, not Hugh Jackman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. What is that? Maybe uh, it's so because we, uh, <laughs> other athletes do represent themselves as themselves in interviews and stuff. So people just assume that is the, the same for wrestlers. Well, it's. <clears throat> We've entered this, so, you know, and I've been doing this 19 years, so I've, I've obviously, I've, as I've looked, like, well, okay, the industry is changing. When I broke in, you know, I was taught to protect the magic, you know, protect the business, uh-huh. you know, my, my opponent, myself. 
it was like, we know magic's not real. You know, we know people aren't really sawing women in half and putting them back together. But just because we know it's not real doesn't mean that there's this expectation that the magician reminds us every five minutes it's not real. Or, um, you know, we don't, just because we know it's not real doesn't mean that we know how, how it's done. Or we don't, the magicians don't expose it and talk yeah. about it. Right, like when magicians talk about it, they don't talk about how they do their tricks in interviews. Right. right. In fact, it's, it's even to this day, it's you know, still like, very Oh yeah, well, you know, so yeah, well, when, when we're pretending to saw in half, you know what's really happening here, like, they don't do that. We all, they're not insulting his intelligence, like that's my, my art and my craft. Why would I tell you how I do that? We know it's an illusion. Yeah. But like, with pro wrestling, it's like, okay, what I do isn't like real in the context of the winners, like the, the winners and losers are predetermined. You know, we're telling a story in there. There's a, there's a real element. It's the most real form of entertainment. I don't get to, you know, bring a stunt double in. But why should I have to talk to you like you know how I do my magic? And why should I have to expose my magic for you to be for you to be like, oh, okay, we're smart to it now? Well, you're really not. Yeah. You know, because you read about it doesn't mean you know how to do the magic. Just because you know the trick isn't real doesn't mean you know how to do the trick. Exactly. Or I should have to sit there and wink at you and remind you every five seconds. So wrestling's this weird thing where we're always trying to create the illusion. So if I do an interview, I give you these different uh, percentages of the real me and then the, the character me. Depending, you know uh-huh. what I'm saying? And so in an interview, like, I'm always, I'm not going to talk to you like I would talk to you in my living room about the inner workings of my business. I, but I'm not going to talk to you like I'm cutting a wrestling promo on you either. Right, yeah. You know, so it's this weird, it's this weird, wrestling, pro wrestling is this weird form of entertainment that, you know, it's unlike anything else from, from a performer standpoint of, and it's changing now. A lot of these wrestlers now are coming out just being themselves. And that's right. how they're getting over. But, you know. It's a different time, mm-hmm. right? You know, like we didn't want to look like the guys who bought tickets in the second row. We want to be larger than yeah. life. Now, now these kids are connecting by saying, "No, we're just like you. See, you know, we're just, you know, we're, you know, we're Matt and Tim. Like we're just right. regular dudes. You know, we're just Chuck. We're just a guy." Right. In some ways, could it be like the transition between sort of like seventies, like big rock, and then like the introduction of punk rock, where it was like, you know. Led Zeppelin were gods, but mm-hmm. you could be the Sex Pistols, you know. Yeah. You could... Well, and like you guys are saying with, you know, the technology and, and and all these things is, you don't have to to output it. You can you can learn three chords and then you have a platform now to put that out there and compete. That's true. With everyone else, right. so why? So some of these guys who take ten or fifteen years learning their craft, whether it's film, music, wrestling, they're all of a sudden finding some dude who just picked this up two months ago. Who doesn't care about all the technical and all the and the, and the stuff in between the stuff? He can also almost be at, at your level because there's a whole market of people who don't care about the stuff in between the stuff. They just mm. want the fireworks. They just right. want the, you know, whatever it is. They don't. They, they're not. In, you know, they're not intellectual for the in the craft. I don't mean that in like they're stupid, but like they're not looking at the craft in an intellectual way, break it down artistically. They just want to be entertained, or they just want to hear the noise, or they, you know. But I think I see think, the scene, or whatever it is. You yeah, know? and I think when it comes to like resting critique, for example, and I, and I'll parallel this to film critique as well. I mean, because we, on this show we talk about series and we give our opinions on them. But we you guys watched the One Hundred at all? No. Oh, see, I kind of dig that. It's on Netflix. What, what's it about? It's like the they, like the last one hundred like people alive. They're like up in the space station, and they sit, oh. they basically they got to float people up there if they because they didn't run out of space. Right. And they end up having to make a decision of sending like, I think like a hundred juveniles like to Earth to see if it's inhabitable. Like they don't think it is, but mm-hmm. then like their punishment was like, well, we're sending you to Earth. And like from there, like this whole story is like how they survived and how this right. transition. But yeah. And yeah. see, like that sounds to me like a super engaging story and I haven't even heard about it. Yeah. Because, it's, because it's been on like six seasons now. Yeah. You know, it gets lost yeah. in, the, in the noise, right? Yeah. And so I think... Um, when you look at when you look at like critique, for example, like when I see wrestling cr- critique and I listen to the, the wrestling uh, reporters and mm. what have you, when, uh, I'm not even I'm not even going to make a, uh, an argument one way or other as to the, how often they're correct or not correct with their expectations or their predictions. But almost all of the critique is based around response, fan response, right? right? Or or maybe money made, right? And yeah. not and 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 you know. Um, Superman versus Batman made a lot of money. wasn't a good movie, mm-hmm. right? If you just judge a, a movie, sure. for example, based on how much money it makes, right. then then you lose the you lose the in between. You lose yeah. the in between between in between, right? You lose what makes a good crafted film, and then 
you train a generation to not look for the art in between. And then what you get is just you got to be bigger and, and louder and shinier schlock to draw that attention. You've got to do more bumps. You've got to do more, yeah. you know. And no, one, and no one has the attention span to spend time to really dig into the, to the, the, the in-between stuff. Right, you know, a lot. I think too, it'd be like I, 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 from a baseball analogy, I grew up in baseball, you know, baseball guys. So it'd be like it'd be like it'd be like them judging every at bat on if you yeah. had a grand slam or not. Right. When it's like, well, sometimes the best thing I could do is bunt the guy to second base, or I can't get a grand slam if no one's on base, or I'm not a power hitter. That wasn't my job tonight. Right. And when, like with every wrestling match, the star rating of four stars means oh, you hit a grand slam, or five stars is you hit a grand slam, four stars is you hit a three run homer. It's like. But I, for what I was asked to do for my role for that show, that was a five star like performance because I did exactly what I was asked to do exactly right. in the time and the exact response, which wasn't to make it feel like that was the 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 end right. of the movie. This now, wasn't the end of the. I wasn't the end of the movie. I wasn't the final scene. I was a, I was a scene to set up the final scene tonight, and I did a great job in that. But oh, that was only two stars. Well. Right, it's like star rating if, suck. If, if you want to, because uh, you don't know what, yeah. You if you want to grade the booking decision, right? The like, if you want to grade the direction, then that's fine. But if the director directs you this way, if Spielberg tells you to be a, a character that's that is the uh, the friend to the lead, and you do that great, you shouldn't be judged on the same criteria as being the lead in that particular role. Yeah, if you go, if you're, if you're, if you're, if your job was to be a, a you know a supporting actor and you just decided to go rip off a monologue by yourself, that's you know great or whatever. But like, well, that wasn't your spot. Like, Such a role, exactly. Role. And yeah, so I think you know a lot of times these crit- people critique. If you look at a majority of them, they really have very little experience on really ever on the other side of the curve. Oh yeah, right. You know because. The people who don't don't really want the people that actually do this for a living, like with any like type of length or any type of you know, level of success. I think for the most part don't want to spend their time and sitting there and critiquing it. They want to like still be a part of it. So the guys who critique it are guys a lot of times who couldn't figure out any other way to be a part of the business right. other than just yeah. talk about what other like what I really do for a living. Right, got hair on their eyeballs. And so you don't. There's a context you can never have, like because you don't understand. You know, again, the full scope of what the job was. Right. And you're you're grading it based on your enjoyment of what you wanted it to be, or what the fan or you think the fans wanted it to be, not on what it was supposed to be. Right. You know, and, and that's fine, but you just have to, you know, the people who actually do this right. take that take and, that into account. And listen, again, it's like uh, on the one hand we're also making critiques, but I think what makes uh, you know, what we're doing a little bit more unique is like I work in that business. You know? I, I put time in yeah. making films. You know, yep. Matt is an artist. Matt is a sculptor. Matt is a yep. photographer. Matt is a musician. So, like, we're coming at it from a perspective of, of people who create art, you know? And I just think that you'll have a deeper understanding, hopefully. And yeah, but your job, you, your jobs, you guys are film critics is a job. Yeah, in this I mean, context. That's not your job. Yeah. I mean, you guys yeah. do this podcast. But, like, you're not like, oh, I'm a full film critic. Oh, Correct. Yeah, well, so what's your credentials? So yeah. I watch a lot of films. <laughs> so do I. Yeah, right. Exactly. And I, and I have opinions, like... Oh, I guess I'm a film critic. Like, that, well, and, and there's there is that sort of sort of the door has been open both in film and anything in you have to do it professional so like, wrestling. You know, it's like well, no, but you you do understand there's this huge part that you're not going to really understand if you've never like yeah, we we uh, we actually had a, industry, this is a pretty big experience with that um, recently with the whole Game of Thrones episodes we did where uh, it was like oh, Dave. Right, yeah. uh, we had guests on, uh, you know, just it was everybody against Dave, pretty much. He was going, hey, man, you know, from from <laughs> yeah. an insider view, what they did was actually pretty amazing. And where the rest of us are going, yeah, but it wasn't yeah. it wasn't good. You know, It was tough. It was a weird thing because you made some really good right. points and you kind of swayed me on a lot of the stuff I was saying. You know, you turned me around and got me thinking about, yeah, you're right. Uh, how do you compress, uh, you know, because those Game of Thrones novels are massive. And it's like, how do you compress that into a show? But um yeah, that was definitely a great example of a time when uh, someone that was actually from the inside was saying, hey, a lot of these criticisms, are, they're not fair. They're not, you know, you're, you're expecting too much. You're expecting yeah, right. the impossible. You have all the information. So you're making, a, you're making a judgment with limited information. And by the way, if that's, you know, taste is subjective. So if that is what, you know, if you just don't like something for whatever yeah. emotional, visceral reason that you don't like it, then that's fine. It's just... Where I think that there needs to be a, a, a more responsibility when it comes to critics or even people who do podcasts or any of this stuff, you know, mm-hmm. is that it, you're not trying to sway people to like it. You just want them to have a deeper understanding of 
why it is the way it is. And then if they still don't like it, then that's fine. Well, so let me ask this question. Just a little, little bit of a deviation. Yeah, and I, I got to bounce we'll, here. Oh, yeah. I don't know how much longer you guys... Uh, well, I'll, just, I'll, I'll pose yeah, a question but, and then yeah, we'll let you, wanna, 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 let wanna, you wanna. go. Um, does the, is, the, is the world of art suffering from a lack of tastemakers? Tastemakers? Yeah, so, like, if you remember, like, growing up, Let's just take like a, take music for example. You said the the guy the, the the DJ who played like the deep cuts of stuff and kind of showed people what was great you know was great music and and you know like even you know, the critics hated Led Zeppelin but there were people out there who were like this is quality work right and they were coming from a place of really understanding it um, even as something as simple as when you went to uh, say the the block, the blockbuster or the Hollywood Video and you had mm-hmm. the, the the guy behind the counter who was like oh if you like that film. You should check out this other thing as well, right. and he, he would, he or she would take the time to sort of tell you about, you know, different directors that you may not have seen because they weren't necessarily mainstream. And and with uh, the rise of digital and for everything being acceptable, uh, accessible digitally, those those sort of roles are mm. gone. Right. And so and so now everyone can be the critic. Everyone can be the. And there's no. Well, yeah, everyone is a critic because they've all been told their voice uh, is matters. And their opinion is valid, and their feelings can't be wrong. Correct. And 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 they all have a and they all have a platform to do it. And so, you know, uh, even along those lines, you know, and I don't I don't know the guy, and I don't know his background, but the dude who got hired and fired from mm-hmm. Senate Live. Oh yeah, right. Um, it was basically a dude whose job it is is to go and like this guy like dug up some shit on him and put it out there, and this guy's a yeah he's a critic. Which means that you're a dude who can't do comedy, who basically judges other people on how good they are at comedy, and this guy who had a big, you know, and I'm not gonna, again, I'm not gonna speak on, on whether he should or shouldn't have, but like, he got he got caught, and this all came down to him because some dude who can't do what he does for a living but writes about it decided to go dig some shit up on this guy and put it out there publicly and go, wow, this guy's, you know. Well, there's there's a market for digging up trash and look and look in fairness but, like but he's a stuff. critic he's i mean the thing was he's a writer and right. a critic who, who and again another one of these guys who again in my opinion not from the industry hasn't done it doesn't yeah. understand really comedy or or the or the or how hard it is to get to where that guy is and right. then guess what for every fucking you know 12 jokes that you that are great there's probably 120 that you missed on on the right. way in the process and if we're all going to get if we're all going to be judged on on things that we say in times we go back five ten years or two years or whatever like Man, and it's like this is a guy that's never put any skin in the game. God, is is that is that where we're at? There's just like entertainment headhunters now that as soon as someone gets a job, they just start scouring for anything they can find and they're just they're social <laughs> justice warriors, bro. And like they think it's our mission vicious. to like clean you know, it's like let's see what's in your yeah. closet, bro. Let's see what's in your closet. Well think about uh <clears throat> think you know, like think about a, a everyone's crawling you have a mass grave of people all trying to crawl the way up to being yeah. seen, mm-hmm. being noticed. Yeah. You know, we talk we talk often about you know the, what was the movie that the, the Netflix series that you liked the the hundred. Oh, yeah. Okay, so like that's a show that sounds fantastic. Yeah. Sounds like right up my alley. Never heard of it. Yeah. Right. Because there's so much noise out there yeah. that people are trying to raise above it in any which way they can. And, and as always has been the case, uh, tabloid trash is interesting. Dirt. So in the digital era, what you end up getting is that yes, Matt, to your point, like there are entertainment headhunters, people whose job it is. They, they'll get recognized and they'll profit from their five minutes of fame where they expose some shitty thing that someone did. Sometimes it's justified. I heard the yeah. comments this guy made. They're, they're douchey. But I Hateful. think you I can use, like, 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 um, who was the, the guy, guy from The Office? Well, I'm just, oh, yeah. yeah. Ricky Javaris. Yeah. So Ricky Javaris has a great bit. He's got a great bit about exactly this where he's, he got in trouble for making some yeah. comments about a trans, uh, Caitlyn Jenner, I think. Right. And so he, the joke goes that he sort of breaks down the anatomy of a joke. He's like, there's a di- this is the difference between making fun of someone and using archetypes to make a different type of joke. Yeah. And the joke that he's actually making is that Caitlyn Jenner as a celebrity literally oh, yeah. got away with yeah, murder. Yeah. Not yeah. that's true. Not that. Not that. <laughs> that. So, so that's no, no, killed she, Bruce she killed a person. Well, no, no, no. Like, killed her car. In a car was, I don't oh, know shit. if it was. I don't know if it counts oh, no, as murder, okay. but yeah, she, she, she definitely well, killed someone reckless. and definitely kind of reckless. Got probably because she was so wealthy, got away with it. Of course. Right. So she was distracted, she was so and wealthy. I think she was texting and driving or something. Yeah. And she rear-ended a car that hit the car into oncoming traffic, and the was an older man driving, and they died. And she was at fault. 
And if and she was black or poor or... Yeah. She wasn't a celebrity. Right, was a celebrity. She would have been, you know, life in jail. So that's the joke he's making. Mm-hmm. And, 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 the, and by the process of getting there, he then, of course, touches on her being a trans person, mm-hmm. et cetera. But, like, that, therein lies the difference. So, like, for this guy... Yeah. I heard the comments. They weren't well-crafted jokes. No, they just, but, he was riffing with a buddy, like, making some bad school school like grade school level you know right jokes about asians but, like but it doesn't wasn't this, clever like it was bad comedy we can but doesn't this sort of speak to the sort of volume of this flash pan like entertainment that's being tossed out there it's like does it isn't taking the time to, to deeply develop a joke he's just like kind of throwing out shock material well he's he's doing this he's riffing on a podcast with his buddies he was probably just you know probably had a few drinks was talking with his buddy on his dude's podcast who like no one listens yeah to. Kind of like <laughs> exactly this like this in <laughs> fact yeah um do you guys remember when uh, when when John Stewart left The Daily Show? That was the kind of one of the instances of I think what you guys are talking about that I first noticed when uh, John Stewart left The Daily Show. It was this South African comic Trevor Noah was going to get the job, and the first story yeah, I saw right. about him was on an internet news show, and it was about how people on Twitter were calling Trevor Noah racist, and Trevor Noah, and uh, you know of The Daily Show. He's I mean he's. Yeah. Uh, it was exactly this. It was like they had found some stand-up act from years before, and I don't even remember the jokes or anything. But it was just something that, and you, ha- I do remember seeing it and kind of thinking like, you really have to take that out of context for this to work as a racist thing. Yeah, and they just yeah, were right. willing to. They were just yes. like, who cares about the context? We've oh, yeah. got something. Love and uh, no. Nope. And Patton Oswalt, the other comedian, Patton Oswalt, he was the one that kind of got on on Twitter and said, hey, welcome to comedy in America, Trevor Noah. You know, (laughs) get used to it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just gotten worse, man. And I I think, you know, it's it's not just comedy, comedians. You know, James Gunn, the director of Guardians of the Galaxy, was for at least a little while fired because he'd made some some bad jokes online, you know, just sort of absurdist humor. And and again, the the problem is, is that there's a there's a value associated with with ratting people out. You know, there's a value. And listen, by the like way, overvalued by the, people's feelings. Yeah. By the way, but it's not just feelings though. I, I don't I don't think it's just that it's feelings. I think that people live in a society that is designed to strip you of all worth. And so when you, when you live in that society and, and for a generation that's really grown up with it where their only sort of premium is digitally and everyone is searching for some sort of human validation and it's not coming in the form of community, then it's like a, it's like a, a misbehaving child or, or pet that's misbehaving for the attention. And if you feel this way and you talk about it, like they, but they shouldn't trump things like logic and law and context, but, and but, science, but, right? Context especially, yeah. Con- context is really important. It reminds me that did you, did you watch uh, Ameri- uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Mm. All right. Well, any of any Tarantino film, right? Mm. The certain language yeah. use yeah. that he, you know, and there's always the, the big debate as to whether or not language in a film can be spoken at all. Sure. And I understand both sides of it. Uh, yeah. You break, but, you break taboo because it's in a film. Right. But, but you know, the, it's generally accepted that it's not, uh, you know, Martin Scorsese that's saying this bad word. It is a character mm-hmm. who is a bad character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And thus, this is, illustrates right. part right. of what this villain is like. Sure. Right. And it, and it feels like that uh, the courtesy is not always extended over to the professional wrestling. No, because that was when it was real. Right. That's when they decided, well, no, this is real. My feelings, this really hurt my feelings. He must be serious. This is real now. Just as my opinion, I just we've given up unequal value to a generation's feelings because we've responded and reacted to whenever... Well, you're, you're not entirely wrong, but there is something important going on there. Know. It's It's about... Uh, when people are attacking groups that already have no power, I think that's what it really comes down to, and that's and that's when you see team ups on the internet where people kind of all target someone. It's, you know, if you're making jokes about the powerful, that kind of thing, it's it's more it's funnier. But if you start making jokes about people who are already having yeah. a rough, everybody knows they have a rough time, uh, you know, um, then then it's uh, it, it's just kind of mean, and it's and it's really only funny to people who w- like. You know, you get those you get those people that are kind of like saying, "I oh, I like him because he says the things we're all thinking." Like those kind of guys. What what they really mean is that I'm yeah. not funny enough to make good jokes, so I'd like to make jokes at people who have no power and are easy targets for that reason. But I'm not allowed to because people get mad at me. So then, when they see a comic that's doing that, they appreciate it. 
but it's really lazy. That's what it is, and and sure. um, and it's unfair, you know. It's all about are you crafting a, a, something like a real message or, an, or a joke or whatever, or are you just trying to get that attention? Like, are you the American Horror Story, where you've got the window dressing and you and you're sort of checking the boxes, but there's no soul behind the joke sure. or the statement or the whatever, or are you just throwing lazy stuff out there? And I think that there is both in the what is said. And both in how it's perceived, there is a lack of context for the greater. There is because it's just buzzwords and and, and so and like I think I think yes I think people things. do get triggered yeah. in a way that lacks context. I've seen it many times, but but simultaneously I think it's also a reaction to people flinging out comments that are easy that are are well, as lazy and, in, in that. Sure, way. but here's what it also is, and and I think this is a big problem. The people that are offended aren't even the ones that it affects. They're yeah. offended for those other people. And again, like this, this, this whole thing, it, it all goes out into context. And I think what we've, where we're sort of all sort of saying across multiple mediums is that you don't have time to even express those things. You got 140 characters to sort of get That's a it. message out, and what is stripped away from that is people really yeah. real debate, deeper. real conversation. I, I mean, to and the real thought. You know, I always say this with guys, like, why guys send dick pictures to girls? Well, <laughs> obviously it must work. Because if, if it never works, guys would never <laughs> do no it. I have no idea about that. Right? I'm just or at least saying, there's like an urban legend of it. I'm just, but what it's I'm like, saying is that like if, if you, if you, if, if me being outraged yeah. on Twitter didn't get someone's attention and I didn't see a change and it didn't work, right? I, then I wouldn't do it. What, I wouldn't waste my time. Dude, there's got to be a creepy pasta out there. Like the, the one story that all lonely men, all like, uh, what are those, what do they call them? Sit, uh, incels, all the incels tell each other about the one time a, a random dick pic worked, you know, right. like some urban legend of like Johnny Dick Pick. Well, I guess it all depends on like, you know, you're going to use different bait depending on what you're fishing for. <laughs> <laughs> and on that, guys, I think, on that hey, note, Austin, I think I'm going to leave. I think it's been I, great I, having I, you on the show, more profound man. Than that <laughs> I appreciate you guys. Sorry if there's going to be a lot of editing with all my, uh, with some of my stuff. Yeah, thanks for Andrew, But I appreciate you guys. We'll, we'll catch you next right, time. Thanks, Austin. Take care. Okay. Well, what do we have? What else do we have time for on this today's show? We're getting a little close to the end there. Yeah, I figured we'd do a little mailbag. We got time. We got a couple of questions. All right. Let's hit, let's have one. Questions from Nicholas. Veronica Cassis asks, "What did you think about Room Two Three Four? And do you believe that The Shining was just a way for Stanley to get out his angst about the moon landing? Also, do I need more friends?" For who to get his angst out about them? Stanley Kubrick. Oh, Stanley. Oh, it sounded like it said Sandy. Oh, okay. So what do I think about the documentary Room 237? I, I that believe what that's what she's asking. Okay, have you seen that documentary? Because I haven't. I have not either. I heard it's good. But Should we um, uh, answer this? Yeah, or? sure, I'll answer it. So I've never seen okay. the documentary 237. I have heard the band 237, and they were pretty good. So how do I feel about so, it? Talking about that band you used to be in? No, I was never in Room 237. You weren't? I thought you played bass in that band. No, that was Ross and Bobby. We kids. Oh, I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> there, was, there was a band when we were kids called Room 237 that had this kind of skinny Dracula-looking kid as the lead singer, and um, some of our friends were in it, and they would uh, sort of splash fake blood on people and act real edgy. It was re- really uh, primitive, primitive edgelord stuff. <laughs> but it was fun. We had fun. We had fun. We're making fun of them because they're our friends and we can. But uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Please continue. So, so, so if I'm to judge a Room 237, I would say they're pretty good. They're a fun band. I, don't, I can't speak to the documentary. Uh, as far as whether or not you need more friends, I don't know if you need more friends. But you need good friends. So keep them, keep them close. Yeah, you always have friends. Uh, but, but what about the moon landing thing? You, did, you oh, skip right the over moon that. landing. Um, yeah. So see, I don't listen. I, I don't. I think we went to the moon. I just yeah. secrets like that are too hard to keep. Um, I, I don't think that Stanley Kubrick had much to do with that. But uh, I know he made a really good space movie, and so I think really The Shining is, is less about his angst over the moon landing and. More about him taking a sub subpar Stephen King novel and making it a fantastic A grade film. I think the, what she meant by his angst over the moon landing is, was that uh, when we landed on the moon, we didn't find a giant black obelisk that um, taught us about advanced civilizations from the past and showed us a way to go to Mars. I think that's probably what she's referring to. Kubrick was he was a little disappointed when that didn't happen. Well, I think you can just look around society today, flick on the news, and you can tell that that's obviously. We did not find any sort of monolith that would help evolve humanity. (laughs) 
well, I, I, I mean, I, I do uh, occasionally club things with bones, though. So I, I don't know. I think we advanced a little are, bit. Are we, are we talking about you porn again? <laughs> oh my God! Get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> uh, okay. What else have you got? What other questions? Sam Blair asks, "What is your all-time favorite horror movie, and what is your least favorite?" Hmm. Uh, I think my all-time favorite actually is The Thing. It's it's a perfect horror movie. It's uh. It's got that feeling of discomfort. Uh, it has the monster is so ambiguous and strange, and it also doesn't waste too much time filling in the unknowns. You right. you get to be as ignorant as the um, actors in the film, which is such a cool. Uh, that that's always cool, and I think too many too many filmmakers waste too much time explaining things sometimes. And um, you know, like a, like if there was a thing part two. It would be uh, it would explain the whole origin of the thing, right. and then there would the later be a, then they'd have predator versus thing, you know, and so yeah, all that kind of stuff. I I, I like horror films that don't get into all that and um, just kind of let themselves be scary because mystery is scary, right? And so uh, that would be, probably be my favorite, and my least favorite um, that I can think of right now, and I think it counts because, but I just kind of it, I just reminded myself of it uh that time i went to go see alien versus predator oh yeah that was so dumb and boring and unnecessary (laughs) and uh but oh and also and i haven't seen it yet but i kind of have a feeling that the new doom film might be my least favorite horror film ever just because doom is my favorite video game and it doesn't have the lead character from the game in the film so uh right right now it's it's Let's say that film, Doom Annihilation, is number one on my shit list right now. And uh, Alien vs. Predator is my worst horror memory that I can think of at the moment. Let's just put it that way. You know, I can't... I I mean, for my favorite film, it's very easy. It's John Carpenter's The Prince of Darkness. I think um, such a well-crafted movie. Just a real hidden gem. And there are other movies I love. I mean, I love The Shining. I mean, everything on my bracket I love. You know, I love The Shining. I love Hellraiser. I love uh, The Omen. The Omen is probably the scariest movie to me. But um, there's something about Prince of Darkness that just still taps into that sort of dark feeling that, that uh, you get from the Omen, but also mixes in science in a really unique way. As far as my least favorite, um, I don't know if I have a least. I mean, I'm sure I've seen some terrible, terrible horror movies. You know, I didn't. I, I wouldn't say this is my least favorite, but I didn't like The Nun. I was really disappointed I heard by it's that. Bad. It's just, it's just, it could have been really cool, and I just didn't find it very engaging. You know, mm. um, and I'm not saying all those movies are bad. Like, I think I saw one of the Annabelle's that was pretty good. But like the nun just felt like relied way too heavily on the, the old jump scare. So well, I, I, would, I certainly wouldn't say it's my least of all time. It's, it's one that jumps out that I've seen fairly recently that I really left unhappy with. So it's a jump scare heavy film where the main villain is a evil nun ghost. That yeah, that sounds like the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. So. I'll skip that one, too. Sounds good. On that note, we're getting close to the end of our time here. We want to thank Austin Aries for joining us for a very spirited conversation and some behind-the-curtain look of the the world of professional wrestling and as a general talent performer. See you later, everybody. Adios. You're listening to the Grindhouse Podcast on the soon-to-be-canceled network. Please follow us on Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast and listen to us every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud, and now on Spotify.